Lots of channels, nothing to watch, especially if you're searching for the truth. It's time to interrupt your regularly scheduled programs with something actually worth watching. Salem News Channel, straightforward, unfiltered, with in-depth insight and analysis from the greatest collection of conservative minds like Hugh Hewitt, Mike Gallagher, Sebastian Gorka, and more. Find truth. Watch 24-7 on SNC.TV and on Local Now, Channel 525. From the streets of Melrose Park to the trading floor of the Merc, he's fought for every dollar he's ever earned. And now, with personal liberty and our system of capitalism under assault in America, he's here to seize back our rights from the government. With a cigar in one hand and a copy of the Declaration of Independence in the other, he's Sean Thompson. And this is The Sean Thompson Show. It is a fantastic Friday. We are still in YouTube jail. I made a mistake. I told my mother-in-law we were on YouTube. It's the only way she can watch the show. But we are on Facebook. Sean Thompson Show Facebook. If you want to watch the show. Now, obviously, what has happened doesn't surprise us, the people who knew that Joe Biden was a feeble failure. We all know what he is. Everybody knows what he is. The question is, how were so many people stupid enough to vote for Joe Biden. I mean, we understand there are Democrats. After all, we live in the city of Chicago, in the state of Illinois, where failure has no definition. It cannot, there's no such thing as too much failure. They love it. Can't get enough of it. Doesn't matter. And we're going to cover the neighborhoods that always thought they were above the, the crime of the ghettos. And now as the ghetto spreads, they're experiencing a little, uh, little adjustment period. And we know what's going on with the foreign policies. We know what's going on with our own domestic problems, as we all know that the shutdown part due is just days away, the way I figured. I'll be surprised if we don't get bad news in about a week from today. And a week from today, I will be dropping off my youngest at college. I've got another one in college, like most of you. We even have kids that have gone through college, put themselves through college, taken the debt, and are working vehemently hard to pay their own way, the responsible way, the way things were always supposed to be before we became the Soviet Union Part Two. And um, I knew when Barack Obama was elected, everybody knew, if you did any little research, that he was, in fact, a Marxist. He was, in fact, a collectivist. He was going to lie, cheat, and steal, which is the only way he won any office, and con his way into office to implement little seeds of socialism. Because what the American Democrat learned decades ago is that failure is its greatest weapon. So when they fail, they actually win. They gain more power over us. They get in control of more money. And that's the game. And now we're going to just keep pretending to be America. We're going to keep pretending to be the land of the free and the home of the brave as a bunch of fat, worthless trust fund babies and lawyers who couldn't get jobs in law firms put us into confinement and take away the the base principles of what we all love about being American. That ideology, we have unalienable rights. Just forget it. In fact, just stop saying it. I'm I'm sick of, uh, of people repeating it as if this country even resembles what it is supposed to be. Now, Barack Obama, to me, was the beginning of the end. And one thing he did that I think people lose focus of, he didn't just destroy our healthcare system. Granted, it will take a couple decades to fully die and turn into that Cuban utopia that they all love. What he did was forever destroy 
our higher education system. See, he ran on the same utopian bull dung that they all run on. It's going to be lollipops and unicorns. You're going to just love it. So he was complaining about the student loan debt. In fact, when Barack Obama was elected, the student loan debt was at $450 billion. He was elected primarily by a bunch of Marxist communists. And then there were the kids who knew nothing and thought that there was somehow an answer, somehow a utopia of socialism where it was going to be great. They were going to have days off. They were going to get sit on their derriere and live this wonderful life of worthlessness and be paid extremely well. So they voted for him as well. But here's what he really did. When he implemented his policy, when he ran $450 billion, when he left office, it was $1.2 trillion as he nationalized it. Barack Obama, what he really did was only great for the federal government. By nationalizing it, the government was able to charge exorbitant interest rates. In fact, at the same time, he implemented the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau, which squeezed out private lenders as they were not allowed to quantify the risk by giving debt to children, most of whom were going to blow it off and not pay it anyway. That's just the fact. So the government underwrote it. Now the problem times itself by three. Very similar to your insurance premiums with Obamacare. He leaves office. Trump comes in, says we're going to have to reevaluate this. We're going to have to reconfigure. We're going to have to turn over the private system. And then the uh, the people in the state, and when I say state, I mean the statist government, the collectivist government, didn't like that. So they knew they had to get Trump out. They get Trump out. And while Biden is busy failing on every other front, today... Biden wiping out more than $5.8 billion in student loans to select kids. Now, what are those select kids? Well, here's how many there are. There are 323,000 kids that got their loans wiped out. Now, you know what the qualifications are for that? They snuck it under something that was created for veterans who were injured in war. They were deemed to be disabled. You see, when we sent them, the government made decisions to send them all around the world, mostly and mainly in conflicts the government started by certain politicians, and they came back injured, they were disabled, well, they couldn't pay the student loan debts. So the government said, okay, you're a veteran, you're injured, you're disabled, you're not going to have to pay off this debt. But now, under the socialists that are in control today, just today, 323,000, there's a proposal to do another half a million, half a million kids, will not have to pay debts. Now, here's why they continue to vote for Democrats. Because they are luring them into this, just come over here and all of the things you don't like about your life, we're going to have society pay for it. This socialism is going to be fantastic. And what they refuse to investigate is how many of the kids are claiming to be disabled. In fact, for that matter, how many of the people in this country right now are claiming to be disabled Union members and the rest of them, knowing full well, full well that they're not A and B, all they have to do is lie and they get a free life. Carpal tunnel syndrome, no. Lumber lung, no. Juggler's despair, no. Achy breaky pelvis, no. Oh, I'm never going to be disabled. I'm sick of being so healthy. Hey, wait. Hyper obesity. If you weigh more than 300 pounds, you qualify as disabled. Eureka! Now I don't have student loan debt. Now I go on permanent disability. Now I don't have to do a damn thing. And as you go shopping this week, and I want you to take a look around and count the people that aren't 300 pounds, because that's how low the qualifications are. 
This is a system set up for fraud. And what the Democrats and what the Soviets and what all the rest of the collectivists refuse to understand is greed is not a man who works and wants to keep his money. Greed is a sloth that is looking for other people to pay their cost. And that's all this administration wants. That's all any Democrat ever represents. The downside of that is they create ghettos like the city of Chicago. So when you hear the, the stories, believe me when I tell you, they are tied together. As the reality is, they go hand in glove. A society that has everything paid for it is a society full of people of ill intentions and low character. And that's all you created today. Nobody, no student won, no citizen won, no taxpayer that didn't go to college but yet is going to pay the tax so that these 323,000 liars, I'm sure there's a couple truth tellers in there, but it's probably around 20%. So let's, let's, let's be accurate. 287,000 liars just won a big windfall and don't have to pay the debt that the parents who pay for their own kids and the kids who pay for their own way. They get screwed again. Welcome to socialism. Isn't it wonderful? Because it's not long before it all turns into the city of Chicago. And I always used to laugh at the Mercedes Marxist in Lincoln Park, in Wicker Park, in Rogers Park, in Lakeview. I used to love how they thought there would be no ramifications from taking the humanity out of human beings, the dignity out of people, and pretending that somehow... If we just pander and pay for things, it's all going to be wonderful. What they don't understand is they're creating a greed that's insatiable. That's when the people are willing to lie about disability, and they got a lot of time on their hands, and they're also willing to rob. Alan, 35-year-old Jermaine Little called the I-team and said, I really need to talk to somebody about what happened when he was pulled over by Chicago police. Little was the subject of a manhunt for days until he was arrested about an hour after leaving us a message. My name is Jermaine Little, the last person that they're looking for, for the officer being dragged on 63rd and State. This was the result of that here in Englewood last Friday evening. A Chicago police officer hobbling in pain after authorities say Jermaine Little pinned the policeman by powering up his car window and backing away from a traffic stop at a high rate of speed. The officer, they say, fired one shot into the car, missing Little. The officer slammed into a concrete barrier. Little allegedly hit another car and then escaped on foot. I didn't do nothing wrong. No. This was a traffic stop. Yeah, nothing. I had a driver's license. Mm-hmm. I had valid driver's mm-hmm. license, and I had valid insurance. Mm-hmm. The officers didn't respect my driver's license, nor my insurance. The officer tried to shoot me in the face. That's what made me pull off. Little with almost three dozen court case listings here going back to 2003 and numerous jail and penitentiary stays, admitted he was smoking marijuana while driving, according to police, who say he also had a loaded 9mm in the car. He seems to confirm that in the phone call to the I-team. Now, he didn't do anything wrong. He's the victim. This is the trajectory of our country now. We know what they've done to Chicago. We know what the Democrat mafia has done to Illinois. We know what they've done to everywhere they touch. And that's why when all of this failure is going on, the Democrat reporters will put some spin on it. And somehow this will become Donald Trump's fault or every other Republican. And to a certain extent, they're culpable. But this is a distraction. The focus on it is a distraction. It'll be 72 hours and they'll stop talking about it. Then they'll move on to more projects, more money, and more socialism. More socialism. I have just one question. Why isn't socialism just voluntary? For all of the people that want to be socialists, go and be socialists. Have your own tax system, your own economic system. For all of us that want to live the American dream 
and not be part of the problem, but be the solution, just not for the scum that turn around and rob us and run cops into walls and carjack people. We have our own American system, you know the kind, where you get to keep the money you make. You're not responsible for anybody else's failures, just your own and your own success. Because what they've put us on by this path, you can never get off of it. This student loan problem, what they're hiding, the way in which they're frauding the money, and picking favorite people. Picking favorites. The government represents the deadbeats as it goes after the people who work hard their whole life to do the right thing. It was started under Obama, and it will continue. It will continue until the people stand up and demand that they are no longer socialists. This is what we're facing. This is what we're combating. And if you're waiting for some failure to somehow change things, they don't have a bar. They cannot fail enough. They know that's the trajectory. They just want to be the gods among men who get to be in control of the money. It's always about the money. 312-642-5600. U.S. Appeals Court refuses to end the CDC eviction moratorium. The CDC has issued an eviction moratorium. What do you think happens when, this, uh, when they finally have to end it? What do you think is happening to the foreclosure market as we speak? How many people, because of these policies and because of various other policies, are a, are a breath away from bankruptcy? A breath. I mean, I understand we look at the market. Hey, the market loves the Taliban. It goes up again. Hey. Because those companies are corporatists. Those 30 companies are underwritten by people who will never afford to buy stock in it. Just like the people who never go to college are underwriting this atrocity of an abolishing of student debt when the people who never went to college are the ones that pay for it. The actual workers out there. I mean, and that pool is getting smaller and smaller in case you can't figure it out. It doesn't work. It is a dead-end system. It is a system of futility. And obviously what we can recognize is the American Democrat has no standard of failure. There's no failure they'll recognize to change the trajectory of their decisions. None. So this country is falling into the quicksand of socialism, whether you like it or not. I'll never go quietly. I know most of you won't. But we're not making the laws. We're not making the rules. There's not a one of you that was aware that this was going to happen, but every one of you is going to pay for it, just like every other bad decision by these failures. And that's exactly what they are, failures. And in the meantime, the places where we live are collapsing into mayhem and murder and chaos. I'm Brad Edwards. And I'm Erica Sargent. Colbert is coming up next. We know some of you are getting ready for that. But first, we want to get you caught up on a story that's been developing through the night. A deadly shooting on a CTA redline train in the middle of the evening rush. CBS News' Jermont Terry has been gathering information on it all day, all afternoon into the night. Joins us live with an update. Jermont. Well, Brother Erica, all trains are back on schedule, but I'll be honest with you. The delays are the... First of all, when a reporter says, I'll be honest with you, he needs to lose his job. Because what that means is the rest of the time he's talking, he's, he's giving you the BS. You're a reporter, dummy. Just tell the story. Every moron that can, that can speak in sentences gets, gets to become a reporter. They have no standards as well. Least of writers' concerns, they are more focused on safety. Let's keep in mind that this shooting, it happened on a train in the middle of the day. Now, tonight, Chicago... And that train system? It's in the infrastructure. They just got a big win. Is it safe? Absolutely not. Is it clean? Absolutely not. Do many people use it? Absolutely not. Does it provide security? 
Chicago police are looking for a total of three men, one who they say fired the deadly shots, killing the person on the red line near Garfield. The fact someone was shot on board the train leaves many CTA red line passengers questioning tonight, where is security? Many L riders tell me officers are rarely on the trains. Never, never. And there's so much other things that's going on that make you don't want to ride the train. And what he's, what he's, you know, going gingerly around is the fact that those trains are hubs of debauchery, drugs, robberies, mayhem. Hey, I got an idea. Let's put money into the train system and we'll call it infrastructure. Just make sure my son sits on the board. Just make sure when I give you the billion 30% 30% finds its way in a paper bag back to my office. I mean, how much of this BS? It's the year 2021. We've got idiots practicing a system of economics that they know fails, that they know just in, puts people into poverty, doesn't help anybody. Now everybody's a college graduate, and what the hell difference does it make? What the hell difference does it make? You've destroyed the the, the real object of, of humanity itself, the ability to strive to be better tomorrow than you were today. And for you to reap its rewards. Because every kid that put himself through college, every parent that struggles to pay for their kid's college, just got screwed. I'm sorry, that's exactly the way it works. Socialism benefits the sloth and the useless and the degenerate. There's normally called Chicagoans. Tom in Brookfield. Hey, Sean. Hi, Tom. I had a, a thought about uh, Joe and the bad decisions that he's been making. And I, I wonder if you'd ever consider whether he's being blackmailed. He's going against his advisors in so many ways. And I, I keep thinking that perhaps the people who have paid off Hunter are enemies and our allies. And Joe gets his cut of that. If they're saying, hey, Joe, if you don't do this, we are going to rat on you. So for you to you to make that conclusion, here's here's a problem I think many very good people have. I on, I fortunately don't have this because I'm not a good person. But here's the problem good people have: they give their virtue to strangers. So what you've done is it, it, by that is give the assumption that Joe Biden is backed into a corner and he has to go against his grain. But what I'd like you to do, Tom, is look at who Joe Biden has been for half a century: a political whore. And this is his modus operandi. This is how he operates. You do realize his brother was involved in a scandal. He got involved. Well, this is what politics is now. We've allowed this to happen. Like Chicago. Do you think those are all good people? Those, you know, those aldermen that shake down builders and harass businesses and let drug dealers run rampant for a campaign contribution. They're really good people. They're just backed into that corner and, you know, they have to make some bad decisions. Or are they low-life scumbags who entered that arena to raise money by pimping out and selling political favoritism? I say it's B. I hope you join me, Tom. Sooner or later, we're going to have to admit the truth. Thank you, brother, though, for listening and calling. I appreciate it. You're too good of a guy. Stop stop giving that to other people that don't deserve it. Thank you. 312-642-5600. I'll be back with your calls after this. You know what it is, Macbeth? I um, I've been very irritated watching the 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 mayhem and watching the innocent people get killed. They buried Ella French yesterday. I believe they buried that wonderful teacher, Denise Hugolette. I believe her name is. And I'm sorry if I'm butchering it. Who uh, 
was on her way home from the Sox game. A nine-year-old boy was shot twice in the stomach. Chicago man has fractured nose, staples in his head after a group of teens attack him. And these are the very kids that were paying $28,000 a year so the communist union can drive around in $100,000 sedans. It's just the system, you keep thinking as a decent human being that ultimately there is some failure that these obvious corrupt Marxist scumbags can, can perpetrate where the people say enough already. But I just watched that moron, that morphodite, Lori Lightfoot, get communion. She's not even Catholic. She's pro-abortion. She's not just an obvious failure. She's a f- bald-faced, lying fool. And there's the Catholic Church giving her the Eucharist. Oh, gee. What high standards you have, Catholics. High standards. And I say this as a former one. The happiest part of that sentence is when I get to say former. And then what you see go on in neighborhoods I used to love. Hi, guys. We're on North Milwaukee right now, right near the heart of Wicker Park. And this is one of six locations in this community where police say robbers have targeted those victims since last week. Sean Tomlins lived in Wicker Park for 14 years. I walk bandit every night, you know, a lot of times late. Um... And, uh, yeah, I feel okay, but um, I'm aware, I mean, for sure. Now police are asking neighbors to be especially alert after a rash of armed robberies and carjackings in the last week. Half a dozen reported within about a mile of each other in and near Wicker Park. From la- Here's an idea, FBI. Instead of looking for phony Vax cards, why don't you get your side parts and your cheap suits down to Wicker Park? What do you say? Maybe you could investigate the gangster disciples. What do you think? Morons. Harry, New Mexico. Hi, Sean. How you doing? I'm all right, buddy. I'm 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 annoyed, and I see your, your I see your comment. I was hesitant to take it because I don't. <laughs> I, I you know the reality is I understand it, but we shouldn't have to think like this. After all, we're the citizens well, that make you have, the world go. When wrong. you have chronic, when you have chronic sedition that's absolutely rampant, and there's no legal. Uh, intervention taking place from anybody. The Republicans are sitting on their hands. Uh, the, the the only way to go about this is either via vigilantism and or sedition at some point. You know, it's funny. I used because to be. It's not, I'm from. It's a, not going to get any better. It's not going to get better. It's just going to continue to be the same because there's nothing uh, uh, butting up against this, including the Supreme Court. They're not doing their job. Oh, what a joke! Nobody's doing their job. Yeah, you know nobody's doing their job. In you know, respect to, to the Constitution, they they have all violated their oath of upholding and defending the Constitution, and they're destroying the country. So what are we supposed to do? Just wait for it? Well, I'll tell you the truth, Harry. I used I grew up in a neighborhood that um, there used to be little little clubs where guys would go and play cards. You know, and I'm talking when we were kids. Uh-huh. I was a kid, so we start this club. Mm-hmm. My cousin and I start this club. And this is right around the time in the 80s when they were saying, okay, if the sex offenders move into your neighborhood, they got a list, you know, where they live. So I walk in the Mm -hmm. club one day and there's a sign and it's got a picture of a guy. And it says, if you see this man, drag him inside and beat the hell out of him. He was a registered sex offender who had moved into the neighborhood where all of our families lived and all. And sure enough, my one buddy found him and he moved out the next day. So there you go. I'm not uh, saying I'm not supporting your comment and your call for vigilantism. But ultimately, if the government can't protect me, it's on me to protect me. And when you see that the the politicians on a grand level and and you see the politicians who are profiting from the police officers that unfortunately are slaughtered by scum 
and you see them go to church and get the Eucharist when they're not Catholic and they're scum to begin with. And now she's going to walk around like she's sad. She's sad. The whole time, every policy she has protects the perpetrator and prosecutes right. the victim. Harry, thanks for the I, call. I, you. All right. Take care, Sean. Thank you, brother. Um, at a certain point, we do have to realize what is going to happen. You know, I, I had an idea not that long ago. Let's bring back the Pinkertons because this is what happens in societies that, Columbo, that collapse. The only people who can afford to protect themselves are those who can afford to hire private security. And you can see where this is going. And I don't blame the police officers. In fact, I'm related to police officers. And I tell my nephew every day, don't you get out of that car. Don't get out of that car because it's not worth it. In fact, now you're being hunted in Chicago if you're a police officer. In fact, if you're a decent citizen, you're being hunted. And what, where are the people that are hunting the perpetrators? Where are the politicians that, to protect the people? They're creating policies. That help the perpetrator. And by the way, to fall back and think that there's a, a justice system. You know, this story by Chuck Gowdy, hips like an Amish woman. This story, um, this guy has got face tattoos all over. He's got a rap sheet. He's got sheets, sheets of a rap sheet. He's the one who hit the cop. How, how long do you think he's going to get? What do you think his bond's going to be? I never returned fire. I never shot at him. No, you're anything. the bad. You're the good guy. You're the good guy. I really need the, I really need you to look into this. Because the body camera is not going to lie. Police say they originally stopped the car because it was traveling at a high rate of speed from an area where gunshots had just been reported. In addition to allegedly having a gun, Little says he is a gunshot victim. Oh. I have a handicap symbol on my plate. Because Anybody want to bet he's on disability? I'll bet you $20 this scumbag's on disability. I got shot in my leg and it requires me to walk around with a brace. Uh-huh. Little said he wanted to meet with the I-team and talk things out on TV before turning himself into police. That once standard Chicago-style surrender never happened, though, because police picked him up before we could meet up. And now, do I have to put a mask on to protect this scumbag lowlife, or do I have to put an experimental shot in my arm to protect this lowlife scumbag? I mean, I know i got to finance this piece of garbage. I, I, I had just about enough of it. Kevin in Edison Park. Hey, what's going on, Sean? Love your show. Um, first time caller. I just want to make a quick comment about all these sports radio stations, the ESPN 1000, the score 670s. When George Floyd died, they were all talking about him. Couldn't even get a minute in about Blue Lives Matter or anything like that. Kevin, can now I... Ella French died. Go ahead. What'd they do? Because I, I, I don't listen. I'm curious to know what happened. I, I, I don't listen either, but I was coming home from the gym and I decided to turn it on. I, and I tried calling the station and, of course... No, they don't even want to put me on because uh, they don't talk about Ella French. N- not a peep out of them. So, Kevin, I have a you ain't. I have a theory. <laughs> I have a theory, and I want your opinion. And I'm dead serious because I've had this theory my adult life. I think the greatest problem in this country is that men, adult men, focus more on the ridiculousness of sports, and I mean this, watching sports, knowing statistics about sports, watching the draft, listening to talk radio about sports, this entire phony world that grown men in this country have taken their eye off the ball of it. What's really important for their kids is the policies and practices that are implemented behind their back that they're unaware of. And then one day they wake up and they're 55 years old. They walk out of their house and America looks like a Starbucks. And they're wondering, what the hell happened? The whole time they could, they could recite every stat of every draft pick of every team they could give a, that, that gives a rip about them. I, I, I really think it's a, it's a detriment to society. I think if more adult men said, what the hell do I care about these steroid freaks and tights running around chasing balls? 
I mean, I think the whole world would be better. What do you think? Sean, I agree with you, but the fact is, sports back in the day used to be a time where you can eat. Guys, we're going to go grab a couple beers at the bar. We're going to watch a Bulls game or whatnot. Now, you, I, I won't even watch a game, forget the kneeling, all the nonsense go on, forget about it. The only sport I'll watch is MMA. I love that you'll see. If you like to take your, your family or your son to the ball game, I, I can't even do that now because I can't look at them. They don't respect me. I don't respect them. There you go. So maybe we win in the end. Kevin, thanks for the first-time call. Thanks for listening. I really appreciate it. I got time for John and Wheaton. All right. John in Wheaton. Yeah, hey, Sean. How you doing? Good. How are you? Uh, so, good, thanks. Hey, uh, so I wanted to say, you know, before anything, I support police. Um, but I do think that they should be held accountable for, you know, all this mess. Um, you know, all these, all these things about the mess. You see that they're escorting people out of these uh, school meet, school board meetings and they're arresting people for not wearing masks. And all this stuff. I think they should be held accountable for that. So here's the thing. I you called the right show. I don't know if you know I mean I don't know how long you've been listening to me, but I used yeah, to no, I, I used to, to fill in and, and uh, Profty Prof and Amy in the morning. Profty Prof. You know, so So I used to listen yeah. I, I used to fill in for there. And I was doing the show when Laquan McDonald was murdered. And I came out right away and said, This kid was murdered. There is no question about it. I never support an occupation. I support the theory of what police force is supposed to be, and I always support the 80% of the good police that are there. The 20% that are bad, I'll always call them out. In this particular instance, in this particular instance, they are enforcing a regulation that unfortunately in this country acts like a law. And this, to me, is the same thing it is. It falls under the same guise of... For, uh, Abuse of parking tickets, for, for example. I'll tell you what. Profty Prof was at my cigar store. Do you know this guy? He, they put three parking tickets, two or three parking tickets on his car. Now, you got the first parking ticket because he didn't listen at the time. Okay, you got a parking ticket. Now, you're going to put two more? Because at a certain point, what happens to policemen? Policemen become tax collectors. They become revenue generators. In this case, I think it falls under that. Do I agree with you and, and the premise? You can't enforce a law. It's a, it, it's a, it's a rule, not a law. I do. Do I understand why they do it? Yes, because ultimately this will become a ticket that people will have to pay for. And that's to me what I think it is, John. I, you know, Unfortunately, in states like Illinois, they're going to do that. You come down with me in Florida, nobody's got a mask on. Nobody had a mask on all last year. That's why. I'm dead serious. If they're going to shut us down, get the hell out of here and go live your life. Time is the enemy of all men. We never can get time back. I'm not giving two more seconds to these idiots. Not that I really did the first time but don't tell anybody. Thanks, John. I got to go to break. I'll take the rest of your calls when I go get back. I like BB King, but I'm going to go to Chris in Chicago. Chris, thanks for calling, buddy. How you doing? Good. 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 Huge fan, man. Actually, uh, I want to begin by saying I am Republican. You know, I voted Trump. But, uh, you know, I, I have to disagree. I think that sports is one of my few getaways that I still have these days. Uh, and, you know, as much as I do disagree with them taking a knee, you know, and, uh, and uh, you know, being unpatriotic and bringing it into sports, you know, it, you know, it really does get on my nerves. I'm not going to lie. You know, if- but, man, when, the, when my Packers are in the playoffs, I'll tell you what. That's what I'm watching. You do know, and I listen. I got. Thing? I've had this argument with friends for 40 years. You do know that those guys who you pretend are from the Packers didn't know where Green Bay was before they signed the contract, right? Yeah. yeah. All right. And and here's the other thing: college. You know, we all complain about college. You know how many of these buffoons 
number one, can't read a paper, but get pushed through college at the cost of zero. Well, that expense is pushed onto the other kids, the other kids who want to go and work hard to become something. I think it's a multifaceted problem. And the camaraderie you feel with you, I get it. And it takes you out of the element of life every day. But I think that we would be a much better society if we did that around principles of Americanism. Chris, I love the call. I can't believe I got it. It's a fast sour on radio. Thank you so much, Chris, for calling. Think about it, and you'll see I'm right. From the streets of Melrose Park to the trading floor of the Merc, he's fought for every dollar he's ever earned. And now, with personal liberty and our system of capitalism under assault in America, he's here to seize back our rights from the government. With a cigar in one hand and a copy of the Declaration of Independence in the other, he's Sean Thompson. And this is The Sean Thompson Show. You know, I always um, took pride. I thought I was productive. I always, you know, I was seven days a week, always loved to start businesses. I have to tell you, when I read this resume, just this short list, it's beyond impressive. 14 years at ABC News, science editor, won three Emmy Awards, taught physics at Harvard. A physicist, an astronomer, mathematician, he's been to the North Pole, the South Pole, and the Titanic. I'm very, very impressed. Wow. It's truly impressive. Now, I've seen this name pronounced two ways. Is it Gian or Gillian, Doctor? Well, hi, Sean, and that was a good, thank you for that introduction. It's either way. In Spanish, it's Guillen, uh, you know, like the baseball player, Ozzy Guillen, um, or in English, it's Dylan. Uh, so I'll answer to either one, you nice. know, especially after that generous introduction, Sean. You can call me anything you want. Thank you. Thank you. Well, try being Sean in an Italian neighborhood. Try that on. Nobody yeah, ever really? had to say Sean who. But, um, <laughs> you know, we're living through very, very interesting times, and my producers, you know, showed me who you I, I I had come across you, but showed me your bio and showed me your opinions on everything. And I really wanted to get you on. And I'll tell you why. I am perplexed at how so many people are willing to jump into servitude. I have a real problem with it. Is it the mindset of a slave that I think so many people have? And the issues that we're facing over the last decade, I'm 53. These are issues I never thought possible in a society that had all of the benefits that we have when it comes to terms of science and history and all of this advancements we're supposed to be, I feel like it's a hundred years ago and we're going through many of the same problems. Am I wrong? No, I don't think you are. I mean, I think, you know, if I can get a little philosophical with you for a moment, um, you know, when you look at, at our current state of affairs, we have rocket ships, we have computers, we have fancy cars. Now we're talking about self-driving cars and going to Mars and all the rest of it. And it's very easy to be kind of proud of ourselves. And, and I think we should be to some degree. These are, these are significant achievements. But on the other hand, if you ask the question, has human nature itself, you know, our very heart and soul, have we changed? The answer is really no. And it reminds me of when I was at Good Morning America, whenever the ratings would dip, uh, the first thing, you know, the producers would say, well, we've got to change the set. We've got to, you yeah. know, it has to be the set, right? Or the, or the female co-anchors hairdo. So I, I just think that life is kind of like that, that we have kind of new set dressing 
But we are really the same people we were, uh, you know, during the Stone Age. And I think that the stakes are much higher now. I mean, you know, I think if you made a wrong decision, you know, thousands of years ago, uh, maybe it would have affected you and perhaps your immediate family. But now uh, a single wrong decision can have an effect on an entire country, an entire world. And so I think the stakes are much higher um, because uh, and, and so even though we because we haven't changed, we have to be that much more careful. I am suspicious by nature. It's just the way I was raised. I yeah. do. I don't like when I could almost tell instantly when someone is lying to me. So I reject yeah. I reject um, people and and um, timing where collectivism is part of the deal, where you have to be a member of the crowd. It's never been my thing. Yeah. I've always yeah. liked the idea that you could be an outlier with your own opinion. I really took pride in that. I had unalienable right. I was entitled to my own property, my own person, my own decision making. I am now at a stage in, in in history in America where I am no longer entitled to my own opinion. They have this cancel culture thing going on where if yeah. I say the wrong thing after I've done the research. So in other words, you sh- the onus should be on society to convince me to follow their lead. When they can't do that, I'm I'm really uncomfortable with their willingness to force me. And this is something I never thought I'd see here. And um, is there a chance for people like me to get that respect back for their own opinion? Or is it simply going to be, in your opinion, the new majority mobocracy rule? Well, I certainly hope not, Sean. I hope that that ugly possibility is not something we're going to be stuck with. Let me tell you something. When I was a kid, you know, I was skinny and I often uh, I often joke that, you know, in school, the, the uh, team captains would fight over me. They would say, no, you take it. No, you take it. You take it. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I was always the last one. And, you know, they always took me in grudgingly because they had no choice. So I, from pretty much my whole life, I have been that outsider you've just described. And in some ways, becoming a scientist, um, I, I kind of capitalized on that kind of independent mindedness, because when you're a scientist, um, at least according to the ideals of the scientific method, uh, we should behave the way you just uh, said we should. In other words, scientists should be able to disagree with one another and sometimes fiercely. I mean, I've seen scientists really go at it, you know, have real dogfights. But you should be able to do that without fear of being canceled. And unfortunately, that's the world we live in today. And, I, and I've thought and have written about it. I have a podcast, and I've, I'm, I'm going to be speaking about it in a couple of weeks. And here's what I make of it. I see today's cancel culture, Sean, as the kind of uh, a perfect storm of three things. And I'll say it very briefly because I know our time is limited. Number one, technology. Technology has now made it possible for every Tom, Dick, and Harry to trumpet their mean tweets all over the world instantly. The, the individual uh, never had so much power, and unfortunately that power is being abused to bully people. Number two, it's what I call the art of demonizing. That is to say, when you look at human history, you, you see that bad actors who wanted to kill innocent people always first and foremost demonized them. We saw them during the Nazi era. We've seen it right now with China. And the Uyghurs, we're seeing it in Cuba with the innocent protesters. They're 
they're branded as, you know, kind of enemies of the state, they're mm-hmm. protesting communism, but they're enemies of the state, they're domestic terrorists. And unfortunately, it's happening in our country as well. We're not, you know, fortunately, we're not lining people up and shooting them. But close to that, I mean, we're driving people, we're blacklisting people. We're as we, as them, we we're speak, fired. we're off yeah. YouTube. As we're we off speak. YouTube yep. as we speak because um, we questioned. Oh, really? We had, we had the morning show had on a former head at Johns Hopkins who had yep. the audacity to give his opinion that masks on kids were useless. From that, hmm. they gave us a week suspension. Now, you could disagree. In my world, I love the disagreements. I come from a family. I love it. Argue, yeah. grab each other by the shirt collar, punch yeah. you in the face. Next time you're, you're hugging and kissing. I love that about yeah. life because you're <laughs> always like supposed sport. to be like that. Rather, otherwise, yeah, what's yeah. the excitement in it? Where's the debate? And it's something for other people to watch because they can listen to the debate and they can pick their yeah. side. When I see yeah. this totalitarian mindset of you will listen, it not only reminds me of the third break. It feels like a fourth Reich, and it's making me very nervous and very uncomfortable. So when I have a man like you on who's a scientist who has studied so many different things, and I understand science is the the argument forever in perpetuity. That's what science is. It's always arguing. Yes. It's always Absolutely, searching. Yes. It's always trying to argue with itself. When you hear such yes. topics as, as we're facing with the climate, with COVID, um, do you think that science has been prostituted and bought off? I, I don't think that. Um, science has gotten more complicated. Look, I'll just say this. Um, I tried, I really do try to avoid politics and policy because I respect the people who uh, trust me, Sean. Right. Uh, they, you know, I want to be that one guy, that one little island of sanity where they can come to me and they'll know that they can get the straight dope from me. I don't spin it one way or another. I usually just stick with the data. But here's the thing. When I was a kid growing up in Los Angeles, okay, um, uh, the only thing that was politicized was politics. I mean, it was, you know, there was the, the, the one flavor of Republican, one flavor of Democrat, and you were one or the other, and that was it. But mm-hmm. in my lifetime, and you were kind of lamenting about that a moment ago, Well, in my lifetime as well, Sean, I have seen now the politicizing of just about everything, entertainment, sports. And God, the thing that really slays me, Sean, the thing that really breaks my heart, and I never thought I would see it happen, is that I now see science itself being politicized. And so with with the pandemic, for example, where there's room for disagreement, like you say, let people argue, absolutely, but let's not cancel each other out because we disagree. Uh, science, look, disagreements are the bread and butter of the scientific method. If we ever stop disagreeing in science, then science will come to a dead stop. It will stagnate. It'll stop going forward. But what's happened now, because now science itself has become so politicized, you, know, you cannot necessarily trust the experts. On both sides, you know. That's the Let's, that's the point I'm at. I don't trust them. Yeah. And, and you no, know, especially you when it comes out of the government. To me, they've been lying the whole time. And I've never understood something, doctor. Maybe you could help me with this. If 99.5% of the people who get this terrible pandemic virus, 99.5 yeah. survive, shouldn't yeah. the stories all start with 
in this terrible time with this terrible illness, 99.5% of the people survive. It is a tragedy when anybody dies, and we've been so fortunate that the people who have succumbed to this have all had pre-existing conditions. So wouldn't this change the forever mood in the people? But my here's my, my skepticism. The people who profit from from kind of a collective mindset like to have a, a society that's afraid. Fear is a phenomenal disarming weapon. And it seems yep. to me that here we are a year and a half after. And I live in a very totalitarian state half of the time. I live in another state that's completely the opposite. So I, I'm living two worlds. It seems to me that this particular state where I am broadcasting from Chicago, Illinois, they are going to take away the freedoms and put the people under house arrest. Now, I don't mean the, you know, I know you don't want to get political and I don't want to, but it's hard to avoid when you've got that kind of, that kind of push by society in general and very few people specifically who tend to profit from us being afraid when if they did the first part, Hey, this is great news. This pandemic that hit our country it's got a 99.5% survival rate. We're kicking its teeth in. It would just be a better society. It wouldn't be so depressed and so afraid, don't you think? Yes, it would be if you stick to the data and your data is accurate. Um, but here's the thing. Look, I'm not only a scientist, but I'm also a reporter. And, you know, you've probably been in the business long enough to know what I'm about to say. And that is good news just doesn't sell. I remember years ago, I went in, We uh, I, I got some money. Uh, to uh, go in with AOL, and my idea was, hey, let's have like a good news uh, part. In other words, devote part of AOL because back then AOL News was it. Okay, right. If you're if you're old enough to remember that was it. AOL News I'm was old. a big thing on the internet, right? Yeah, <laughs> you're not old, but you know because <laughs> hey, listen, Sean, this stuff only happened in the last ten, twenty years. You don't have to be that old. No, right. But what I'm saying is, my big idea was just kind of. The, the, the lament you're expressing, which is, see, there is so much good news. And I'm not a Pollyanna. I mean, I know there are bad things and there are evil people. I get all that. Yeah. But at the same time, I, I also know that people are just being hammered, hammered day in and day out, especially now with the 24-hour news cycle, yeah. you know, with cable news. They're just getting hammered with the negative. And you know what? I mean, it, it didn't really succeed. My my effort to bring you know a, a good news network on AOL just didn't go. I don't know what it. I I go back to human nature, yeah. Sean. So the title would be There's "Good Doesn't wrong Sell." With us. Yeah. Huh? The title of your article would be "Good Doesn't Sell." <laughs> I mean, it's exactly. ridiculous. Oh yeah. yeah. And I could tell you so many stories of my years at ABC News where you know I did Nightline, and there were times when we you know typically I would do the videotape setup, and then Ted would have two guests, and they would duke it out. And it was very, very interesting who they picked uh, as the kind of antagonist. It's, it was always, it, they, we, well, I don't want to say always. I want to I be, be accurate. But too often times, the people we picked were not people who were level-headed, who could have a cool-headed disagreement. No, they were always the hotheads. Let's get the hotheads on the air because let's let them flame each other out. And that unfortunately goes back to what I was saying at the very beginning of this discussion, and that is human nature, Sean, has not changed. Because on top of being a reporter and a scientist, I'm also a Christian. And there's just something fundamentally off 
about us. Yeah. Not me and not you, but everybody else. No, it's just kidding. Well, I knew we, I mean, we've yeah, agreed the whole time. Off about us. That's yeah. my that's my how I introduce myself. The more people I know, the less I like. Doctor, I went so long. Listen, I so appreciate you. And where can the people find you? I, I want them to tap into your podcast. Where can we go? Well, I think the best thing is go to my website, Michael Gillen, and that's G-U-I-L-L-E-N, michaelgillen.com, and you'll find everything and more than you want to know about me, Sean. And I do have a new book coming out, Believing is Seen. It's coming out September 7th, so go on Amazon, Tyndale, Barnes & Noble, Books A Million, and pre-order, please. It's an awesome book. The subtitle says it all. A physicist explains how science shattered his atheism and revealed the necessity of faith. Basically, it's my journey from atheism to Christianity. And it's full of anecdotes from ABC News. But thank you, Sean. No, I, I love it. Enjoy. And I'm going to let you borrow my saying. <laughs> I, I have a saying when it comes to religion. What is it? I love God, but I hate his salesmen. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. All right, listen. <laughs> I love it. Come on, man. <laughs> thank you so much for coming on. I really appreciate it. God bless you, Sean. My joy. Bye-bye now. We'll be Stay back. Stay safe. Thank you. Bye-bye. We'll- We'll be back with your calls, 312-642-5600. I knew it was going to happen. I got the born-again Christian friend. We all do, right? Good people to be around. I get very jittery when I make my saying, my favorite saying. It's all right. I mean, I mean, you to tell me God doesn't like a sense of humor? Of course he does. I got to believe he doesn't like those preachers driving around in Lear jets while the parishioners eat cat food. Don't like those guys. feel very comfortable saying I hate them. I also think he hates those preachers who, like when I was a kid, looked at my friend Ivan like the way I looked at my Farrah Fawcett poster. Doesn't like those guys either. I don't think he likes a lot of people that raise money. So, you know, I'm hoping, I don't know what the rules are when you die, but I'm Norwegian. I'm hoping he just hands me a battle axe and says, there's the room where I don't like the people. Go take care of it. Wrong. Probably. But I can dream, can't I? All right, let's go to <laughs> phone lines. Sal, Southside. What's up, big dog? Man, first time I'm listening to you. I love it. We got to oh. break bread together, you and me, one day. <laughs> I love it. You're more than welcome. I look forward to it. Thank you. I appreciate hey, that very much. I was, I was listening to you with the uh, doctor earlier, and, you know, nothing changes but time. You know, the same things happen over and over again. Humans don't ever seem to learn nothing. We keep doing the same thing, the same stupid stuff. Sal, in the year over t- and over. 2021. We've got problems with guys that are dressed from the 4th century that are telling an entire country women have to cover their heads. They get to rape kids. If they if you disagree with this religion, they chop your head off. I mean, it is insanity. I mean, and on the other side of the news, I got Elon Musk. He's inventing robots that can do jumping jacks. They're twice the man that Joe Biden is. I can't figure any of this. I almost swore, but I didn't. I can't figure any of it out. But I look forward to meeting well, you too, so, son. I'm, so, yeah, I'm not so sure the FCC would care anymore. I mean, they're all asleep at the wheel. No, over no one in Washington well, is they'd, listening. They'd, they'd, care, they'd care, Sal. I don't have my nipples pierced or a halter top on. They'd care. Thank you very much for listening. And remember, I own the Elmhurst Cigar House. Stop by anytime. I always love it. Do I got time for this? No? All right, listen. Um, Darlene, I love that name. Darlene, hang on the line. I'll get to you first when I come back from break. 312-642-5600 if you care to be on. All right, McBath, it took me all show, but I figured out why Rahm Emanuel is going to Japan. I thought to myself, well, he did make $16 million in banking in about 21 months. They said he came in early. Had nothing to do with his connections to the Chicago Mafia. No. He was a good worker. Came in early. He stayed late. He was cleaning the bathroom. Rahm Emanuel is picked by Biden 
is the ambassador to Japan. Huh. Huh. I think it's because of the finger. Because now the Yakuza will think he's a member. He lost, he, oh, God. Little did he know he lost a digit at his only job that wasn't government affiliated. The only job the idiot had cut his finger on the slicer. You know, your, his father probably said, you know, I've got three sons. The other one we're going to send to be a multi-billionaire. He's going to create Uber movies, the whole nine yards. The other one's going to be a doctor. He'll know things. What are we going to do with the dummy? Let's put him in government. That's exactly how that conversation went. And look at how it's paid off. Fantastic. Chris on the west side. Hi, Chris. Hey, John. First time caller. Oh, I love when the first time caller. I love your show. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. You know, it means a lot when you're a first time caller because, you know, they've done studies. You know, I'm only here because I'm a caller. I was a caller, and then they gave me the opportunity. And they've done studies. It's like out of 100 people that listen, one calls. Did you know that? I did not know that. It's my first time calling into any show, and you are just keep up the good fight for us, man. We've got to stand up for our country. I can't believe half the people are blind to, 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 to what's going on around here. And you're on the west side of Chicago. You've been living with it. It's still, it really is. At this level of failure is still shocking, even if you're used to the Democrat mafia in Chicago. Chris, thanks for listening. I love the call. And being a first-time caller, you will get a 20% discount on your first cigar. There may be a slight increase on the second. Thank you so much for calling. I appreciate it. (laughs) Thank Thank you. Um, We will move on to broader and better failures. I have to do it to you. I've tried to put it off all show. Put it off all show. But I have to do this moron who Macbeth believes they are going to dump all the problems of the Democrat Party on. He's going to step aside. And the very likable Kamala Harris, who's been missing for a week, they finally got her. I said yesterday, check the motels by the airport. You'll she'll find her. Kamala Harris was there today. It took two days to take control of the airport. We have control of the airport now. Still a lot of pandemonium outside the airport. Well, there is. But look, but no one's being killed right now. God. No, no, no. Nobody's being killed. It's great. These guys that are dressed like they're from the fourth century that want to hack women up and date kids. These guys are reasonable this time. This time it's going to be great. Next thing you know, we're going to have a bank there. We'll have a Starbucks on the corner. Property value. I'll tell you what he should have said. Property values will go up in Cabal faster than they will on the south side of Chicago. That's the real answer he should have said. Next thing you know, he'll be selling that Sharia law. I'll tell you what, what a, what a pickle this is. Peggy, Chicago. Hi, Peggy. Oh, hello. Uh, I wanted to say that I'm really sad about what's happening because I think that we're going to get attacked here at home. Uh, the Taliban, we've had people coming across the southern border, 5,000 a day, and they're not from Mexico. They're from all over the world. Many of them are criminals. But now that the Taliban has defeated us in battle, these people who hate us will attack us. Well, we all know what the government's reaction will be. It'll be to take away our rights. It'll be to spend us into oblivion. Thank you for the phone call, Peggy. And um, the reality is... It will be as bad as you think it is. But why in the world would the not the first reaction of all Americans, all Americans, say, let's secure the border, and I believe in the refugee program. I absolutely and totally do. In fact, what's going on is exactly why you have that program. I think you should take every good person out of there who does not want to be terrorized by the Taliban and bring them here, of course, vet them. But absolutely, this is what we're supposed to be, a beacon 
of safety, of liberty, of freedom. That's what America is. I'm not an isolationist. I know I've been accused of that. I'm not somebody who won't. Listen, this country is 6% developed. 6% developed. We need all the good people here. That's who makes the world go wrong. We need less Marxists, less communists, less socialists who've lived here for hundreds of years and are determined to turn my country into some twisted version of Cuba without the khaki. That's the only difference between the American Democrats and Marxists and communists and totalitarians. That's why they feel so good bossing us around when they are the architects of the kind of failure we can only imagine. Some planes departing with empty seats because people can't get through the checkpoints. The agony of not being able to get to the airport past Taliban-controlled checkpoints is the reality on the ground here. Now you're going to tell me, you said you were going to pull out. You didn't think, you know, maybe, let me figure this out. Maybe I should get the kids in the car before I leave for vacation. I mean, what do you do? You just jump in the car and say, I'll see you later. I'll be at Disney. Get your own ride. You stupid son of a dog. Only the government could make this kind of mistake. Military intelligence. What a joke. Everybody should be fired. Everybody. Joe and Dundee. Hey, hey, John. Yeah, I believe that if Trump was still president, uh, the Taliban would be looking down the barrel of dirty, hairy Trumps before Magnum. Well, I listen. think he would have had an aircraft carrier in the Indian Sea, and he would have stopped the progression over there, and they would be the ones that's, fearing that's, us. Listen, I, I, I think there's some validity to that, but I will say, and let's never forget, he was negotiating with him as well, right? Now, the problem is we got in that pickle, and everyone's trying to figure out a nice way to get out. The reality is, you know whose fault this is? The very morons that made the decision in the first place. The very morons that sold us on the decision. The same ones who took a left turn to go settle daddy's argument. And why isn't everybody still concerned? We've been in there for 20 years, too. See, we've got a foreign policy that that people don't understand. We've got a foreign policy of war profiteering. What about the the entire EU? What about... um, What's the, the North American Trade uh, uh, Union? What about that? I mean, what about all of the other countries? Where are they? You realize we left 7,000. I think it's Germans. 7,000 Germans are still there. And you didn't call? You didn't call up anybody? You didn't call the UN? The United Nations. What, 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 what are they doing? The whole thing is a pickle. And yet it all falls on America. And the reason is, uh, this idiot that we have as the president made a decision, apparently, without reading anything that his people told him. It's stupidity on top of stupidity. And you know what, Joe? He's going to win again. If he can stay, you know, he looks a little feeble to me. But whether he wins or not, the philosophy does. After living among Democrats in the city of Chicago in the state of Illinois, it's a dirty word. How anybody could vote Democrat, think Democrat, and even not recognize what is the Democrat in America other than the Fourth Reich. Their failure is monumental. That's the only difference. The Third Reich had a, had a history of succeeding in these battles. Our guys fail. Same philosophy, though. Exactly. Candace, Mount Pleasant. I think I know what could destroy the Taliban. Oprah. But, no. One Oprah show. Women, no, I think American women. <laughs> you think what? 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 Because American women. Because 
Okay, they said that their tactic was relentlessness. They never stop fighting. And I know a lot of American women like that. So I'll tell you what. Let them come on over here. I'm going to send them a copy of this tape and see if they want you to go over there. What do you think of that? <laughs> All right, thank you very much. I still say Oprah could solve Oprah's the whole thing. Oprah's JJ. <laughs> say, Oprah, how's your JJ? But my is cleaning. <laughs> it's all the Taliban needs. 312-642-5600. Obviously, I'm making fun of not just Oprah, but the Democrats in general, especially when they have misused the idea of some sense of racism to correct racism, sexism to correct sexism. All of the people who call conservatives and call capitalists and call people who are preaching values of Americanism, sexist, misogynist. Well, here you got the real deal. You're all quiet. Why is that? Because this idiot, this feeble fascist in diapers that you idiots put in there has to wear this thing? And he should wear it. They want to pass it off on Trump. Nobody wants to talk about Biden's history. Biden was in the foreign committee that enabled Charlie Wilson to arm these savages. He also voted every time to expand the money to the corrupt government that we pretended was on our team. The whole time they stole the money. Biden's legacy is 100% wrong on every single decision. The dimwit with the doll hair so knew his head. And I got a, what, 50% of the country, 55% of the country? He's my guy. Did you know that Donald Trump had some very bad tweets? I agree. Stupid tweets, wasted his time, should have slept more. However, you do realize the magnitude of the failure has real, real consequences. We don't have any idea how many thousands of people have been mutilated, how many women have been raped and kidnapped. We know they're not too particular as long as their kids under six. It's despicable what we pretend is going on. And now we're going to cut deals with them or we're going to finance them. And the IMF bank will turn on that money spigot just in a little matter of time. We're just going to let this normalize. And we're working on a variety uh, to verify that number of the Americans are still in country as we work on this because we're not don't have the exact number of people who are uh, Americans are there. Listen to this and idiot. Those who may have come home to the United States. We're not, we want to get a, a strong number. Here's my favorite. Here's John Kirby. You notice the heads of these states, not only do they look fragile, if I'm kind, they are clueless. What is your current estimate for how many al-Qaeda are inside Afghanistan? I I haven't seen an an estimate on that. Okay, I I don't know we have an exact estimate. Military intelligence estimates about how many al-Qaeda. You're the guy. You are the guy, you stuttering morphodite. Why the hell don't you know? I'm going to tell you something. You think that they should just impeach Biden? Well, I've thought that since they were managed to usurp the office. Everybody affiliated with this. The entire upper echelon of the military. Gone. It's, it's embarrassing. It's ridiculous. It was avoidable. And there is no excuse. Zero. Because just a month ago, you gave everybody more equipment. Billions in equipment. Helicopters. Everything. Now, did you know? Macbeth, I don't think people know this. We're buying the gas for the planes. When we land, we got to buy the gas from the Taliban. 
Oh, I'm going to buy the gas? How about I shoot you in the forehead and take the gas? I mean, the whole damn thing is just a disgrace. John Naperville. Hi, Sean. Hi, uh, you invade the world, you invite the world. And that's the lesson we've seen in our recent wars, not only Vietnam, Iraq, and here, which is the reason I, reason I imposed here to bring in any significant amount of refugees in is it'll contribute to the Tower of Babel that we've already become. And that's the big reason why we have such cultural disintegration in the country. We don't have a cultural consensus. John? And this is just, I mean, these people are as far away from us as you could possibly imagine, culturally and religiously. John, It'll do you work do you, out badly in 10 years. Religiously isn't relevant necessarily, because I'm going to, do you remember Cambodia? And do you understand the kind of Americans those Cambodian refugees became? They became the kind of citizens and the kind of Americans that should be idolized. I mean, you do realize what happened. In, I mean, I know Americans don't talk about it. Cambodia was another disaster. Luckily, luckily, we had a refugee program that saved millions and, and brought millions of good citizens to this country. So don't be so quick. You know, here's the one thing you and I agree on wholeheartedly. We need better citizens in this country. We need citizens who appreciate the blessings of a country based in liberty and freedom, ideally. And that's why those refugees will understand it a lot more than any Democrat that voted for this feeble fascist. Thanks for the call, John. I appreciate it very much. I can't believe it. We're going to go. I'll tell you what. It's just, it's just too fast. I got time. Let me go uh, real quick. To David Winfield. Hi, Dave. You got about oh, 30 John. seconds. Yes, buddy. Okay. All right. Go ahead. You there? I think I scared David. Yeah. All right. Hurry up. You got I'm here. 10 seconds. John, love your show. Love your program. I'm a cigar smoker. Listen, I believe this whole thing is a scam to begin with. How can you do everything completely backwards that anybody, any other American would have done it? Holy, holy American citizen. Because we work. We have to produce. We manage things. Politicians don't. I'll be back. From the streets of Melrose Park to the trading floor of the Merc, he's fought for every dollar he's ever earned. And now, with personal liberty and our system of capitalism under assault in America, he's here to seize back our rights from the government. With a cigar in one hand and a copy of the Declaration of Independence in the other, he's Sean Thompson. And this is The Sean Thompson Show. He not only sits on the board of the Claremont Institute, he is the author of Reclaiming Common Sense, Finding Truth in a Post-Truth World. Love that title. He's also the author of Common Sense Nation, Unlocking the Forgotten Power of the American Idea. Boy, if only only everyone would read these books, I think we'd be a lot better off rather than the Keynesian soiree of communist failure we're living through. His name is Robert Curry. Thank you so much for joining me, Robert. How are you? <laughs> I'm great. I'm happy to be back with you. Thank you. Thank you. So you, uh, once again, put a positive spin on fascism that I call the Fourth Reich. You are uh, calling it Fauciism. Do I have it right? Yes, I think that's right. Yeah, we. I think we actually owe um, uh, the evil Dr. Fauci uh, a debt of gratitude. I mean, he, he's demonstrated for us with perfect clarity, the cost and folly of uh, allowing ourselves to be ruled by government experts. And the other thing he's done is he's given us the perfect name for rule by government experts, and that's Fauciism. I agree with you. And, um, you know, I always thought that um, 
we had a system that was not going to allow technocrats to destroy our freedoms and our liberty. Yet, here I am, a hoping and a wishing that our own trust fund here in Illinois, the chubby fascist with the butter hands, who's never done anything in his life, doesn't take my businesses away or puts me under house arrest or tells my kids they can't go to school or when they leave the house, they have to be dressed like uh, Cher in that movie where they gave her the shower, Silkwood. I mean, what the hell is going on here? Yeah, well, this is this is something that, that, that the progressives have planned for us a long time. You know, um, about 1913, in the, in the beginning of the Woodrow Wilson administration, these people got their hands on, on power in Washington for the first time. And Wilson and, and the other progressives don't believe in that constitution that you care so much about. They, they think that the declaration is a, you know, it contains some, some uh, whimsical notions. And, um, and they are determined to replace uh, America ruled by its own people, by an America ruled by experts. And uh, we've got these um, experts uh, running everything. And, you know, and the, there's two things about it. One, they are the enemies of liberty. And two, they don't, aren't doing a good job. Robert, I was always under the impression that in a country founded on the idea of the Enlightenment and an understanding of what individual sovereignty and liberty and unalienable rights were, that socialism and this kind of uh, fascistic government was actually unconstitutional and that law would be my shield. Somehow it has become their spear and we are now having our legal system turned over to politicians themselves as the judges are Democrats or Republicans or whatever it is. Have we just become so politicized that the title of your book of common sense of truth, these are wishes, not realities anymore. Well, you know, the, um, what a wonderful question. What a wonderful thought. Um, What's happened is it, it is they they were very smart. The progressives were very smart. They took over the schools and they took over the universities. So um, those politicians and those judges and um, those journalists, you know, in the old days a reporter was a, a a guy who was interested in finding the story. Today, the so-called journalist has a degree in journalism, and in the journalism schools, just like in the law schools, and just like in the in the um, classes that the politicians took, um, you know, they're taught to um, hate America, mm-hmm. uh, to reject c- capitalism, and to, um, and to uh, particularly to scorn the founders. And it's the education that makes, the, that makes it possible for the judges to come up with things like, I love these kind of things that they can do. You know, it's constitution. You know, the, the judges, federal judge ruled that men who identify as women had to be put in prison, women's prisons. Yes, and they started supplying um, contraceptives for the obvious reason to to those places. And uh, that same judge later on ruled that that the government had to pay for sex change operations for people who as prisoners who identified as men who identified as women. I mean, uh, you've got to get a pretty fancy education to claim that the Constitution says that the government and the taxpayers have to pay for sex change operations. Well, Robert. We're broadcasting from Chicago. We actually pay the rent, the food costs, the education costs 
for the very people who carjack us and then shoot us on the way home. So we have uh, we're kind of used to this kind of stupidity. But um, I also was a proud capitalist. I have been my entire life. I love the idea of capitalism. I understood from a very young age, America is the youngest country, yet somehow the richest. And the reason was it was steeped in the idea of liberty, and with liberty became property rights and capitalism. We are now in a system of, I don't think people understand what makes America unique is we as citizens can actually own property, real estate. We are now living in a time when the CDC... An institution that represents stupidity can now have a moratorium on landlords kicking out deadbeats. And it's holding up in the court of law. What can't they do? Well, we, we haven't found out what they, won't have, what they haven't, won't try to do. I mean, this is really the point of it. I mean, what the, the, the progressives understand, look, as you're, if you're a capitalist, you want to uh, expand your business, probably. Most uh, the ambitious capitalists want to serve more um, uh, clients or create a, a, a broader array of services or products so that they, they can grow their business, and that's a wonderful thing. Everyone benefits from that. But that same impulse in a progressive um, bureaucrat, uh, you know, it, it's, we, that's called growing your growing your your agency is called government overreach. So the natural impulse to grow bigger and do more is so perfectly illustrated in the CDC declaring a rent moratorium. I mean, that is so far from the kind of story that they told when they said, okay, let's vote some money to set up a CDC. It'll be a good thing. Well, it turned out to be a very, very, very bad thing. But the principle is that the the government is filled with these kinds of things, you know, um, the original idea of the federal government, really clear, was to defend the country and deliver the mail. And now, you know, the um, the federal government's in student loan business and um, and declaring rent more health care, name it, uh, health, destroying destroying small businesses across the country. The CDC. That's so far from any idea that they used in justifying setting this thing up. And so the solution is to get rid of all these crazy. Um, uh, uh, Fauci's and the crazy organizations that they run and get head back towards a time when the federal government really uh, has just two simple jobs. Maybe they could carry them out if they had those, you know, defend Mm -hmm. the country and deliver the mail. Now, Robert, you discussed, and I think quite accurately, how we have been outsmarted. I mean, you you said it in in more eloquent terms, but the reality is as the as the as the collectivists have seized the operation of our school system, they have been able to turn generations into willing serfs. This is just the way it is. I think that through the overreaction and implementation of fear and totalitarianism under the under the cover of COVID, they have now infiltrated private property businesses and small business, and extended a loan with no terms discussed of the loan, first time in history, with just a blasé, don't worry, you may not have to pay it back, in order to turn those small businesses into other arms of the Leviathan, 
where now those arrogant Americans who thought that they ran small to mid-sized businesses now, in fact, are a vehicle, a vestibule of government action and forever have given up their property rights over their own small business. And I think we're going to see another example of that in very politically driven states as they shut down and really go after the states that are still fighting for freedom. Do you think that I'm overthinking their strategy or that they have outstrategized us? No, I think you I think you stated it very clearly and very accurately. And that's kind of what's neat about the word Fauciism because it's a it's a it's our it's our, the homegrown American brand of fascism. You know, the in fascist countries there were still businesses, but the gov- the government actually dictated what the businesses would do. That's exactly what's happening now. So we really do have our own version of fascism now um, in America. And I think calling it Fauciism has a certain ring because people can understand that this is arbitrary. I mean, for for a while it was, we're just going to set these, we're going to restrict activities and make things happen for just for two weeks to, you know, to, you know, to bend the curve of infection. And then it suddenly without any, it just suddenly became, now we're waiting for the vaccines. And then we got the vaccines, and now we're being told, well, the vaccines are not that effective. People are going to have to get booster shots. I mean, you know, this is arbitrarily, and with total lack of accountability, changing the rules as we go along. And and really, what they're doing is they're rubbing the American people's noses in, in in their ability to make people do what they want people to do at no matter what cost of liberty and economic uh, disaster. And in your book, um, obviously, uh, Reclaiming Common Sense, wouldn't it be common sense to look at exactly what we're living through right now as government officials called an experiment of vaccine? Yet here we are. A year and a half later, we have another spike. They're calling it a variant or whatever the hell they want to call it. And the reality is 25% of the people that die, they have to begrudgingly admit we're fully vaccinated. They're now saying it didn't work. We're calling for a booster. When the reality is in my neighborhood, that's called lying, BSing, making it up. And why in the hell would anybody ever believe another word they say? Because if you lie to me once, shame on you. You lie to me twice, shame on me. They've lied to me 17 thousand times plus i've had enough of it and yet i've lost the ability to have my opinion and in fact i'm now going to have to bend knee in order to walk into establishments in new york by the the guy warner wilhelm who likes to go by del blasio should we just not call it america anymore and go with the united soviet states of america or the fourth reich which one do you think would play better in your next book (laughs) what a great question well you know the here's the thing we're in we're in a we're really in a moment now where the American people are going to have to um, stop listening to this stuff and start acting strongly. The, the the worst part of it, John, is that is that though you know the elections are being stolen here in California. You know we've got a recall election and. They sent out these mail-in ballots to make it really easy for a fraud, but they make it so easy for fraud that if you fill it out, if you if you say yes to recalling um, the governor, mm-hmm. they can see that in the envelope. So all the handlers between you and the and, it, and it being counted and the person who's doing the counting, they know they can see. Oh, this is a person who's voting. So they know which ones to discount and, and disqualify. They know which ones to throw away. So 
the real situation is we can't believe the polls. And that, and I mean that in both sense. We can't believe the polls in the paper. Everybody knows that's propaganda. But we also can't believe what happens at the polls where people vote. No. The, the key to this thing is to is to is for every American to take to do everything they can to be responsible for getting clean elections. When we have clean elections, then we have American people ruling. We can then have the, the American people ruling themselves again. That right. could change the landscape so dramatically that you find out, hey, there there really weren't that many of us who went that crazy. What a beautiful state you live in, and 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 how fast the Marxist mafia ruined it. And I want you to know, I feel at fault for that because this is the place we are—the homeland and the capital of the Marxist mafia, Chicago, Illinois. And the problem I have is I, how smart people like you, you write the books, you articulate. I truly do believe we are in the majority. However, to a certain uh, extent, I believe we're powerless. And it's really making me very angry. But I do have a little place on Florida, and I look very good in a tan. So if I'm going to be communist, Robert, I'm going to do it like George Hamilton. Will you join me later in Florida is the only question I have left. I'd love to spend some time with you, uh, indeed. Very, but very, uh, but I think it's too soon to, for us to, to for us to give up. Right. Um, I, I really do. Th- I I know some of the people who are working on personally, who are working on um, this voter fraud problem, and um, and I think that that if, if the American people can get serious about, listen, America has to have honest elections, or mm-hmm. or or it doesn't it. matter. Yeah, it doesn't matter. Right. Absolutely. And that's the, that's the game changer. And that's the next they're counting on. They're counting on from now on, never having to answer to anybody because they'll be, they'll control the counting and it will set up like it is in California here where it's so easy to commit voter fraud that you can watch them doing it while you try to vote. You remember what Stalin so, said? I don't care how they vote. I care how they count them. Yep. And uh, that's, that's their plan. That is their plan. If that, and if the way they get away with it, well, then then it is time for the tan in Florida. But right. I think it's not. It's too. It's too soon. Right. You know, some other Americans have had to suffer and fight and and set aside what they want to do to save the country, and um, that's the time we're in now again. Robert, you know how much I mean, I, I so appreciate you coming on. Robert Curry, author of Reclaiming Common Sense, he writes very often an American thinker. Is there a place people can go to support? the people you you know that are working to help the voter um, system? Is there a website my listeners can go to? Is there anything? Oh, what a wonderful question. I'm going to let you down on this one. That's all right. Um, uh, I'm going to let you down on this one. I really am. Um, no, you're just uh, going to put me off. Next time, what you I want me on, to... I'll ha- uh, next time you have me on, I'll have an answer for you, and I will get an answer and, and, and email it to you in the meantime. I love it. Thank you so much, and you know how much I appreciate you joining me. Thank you. You know how much I enjoy uh, that you're out there and knowing you. I appreciate you very much. Oh, wonderful. Thank you. Wonderful. We'll be back with your calls and comments after this. May we see your papers? I don't think I have them on me. In that case, we'll have to ask you to come along. You know, I uh, I love the people here. I do. McBeth, big dummy. I love him. I go to the, the uh, break room over here, and there's the building janitor. I love this kid. Three little girls. I've seen them all. And he's working constantly. Every day, working, working, working. It's all he wants to do is work. I watch the news. I see the scumbags that are robbing people, that are murdering people, that, that people are paying $28,000 a year to pretend we're sending these idiots to school. To pretend. Joe Biden's everybody gets $2,000. Everybody. Why is it that only the scourge among us really profit when all the workers 
pay the taxes, do the right thing, raise the kids. The system that rewards the scourge is going to get more scourge. That's just the fact. So as I watch these these pseudo-intellectual frauds, like Dr. Dryheave or Arwadi, Dr. Arwadi, tell you that school's going to be safe, it's going to be perfect, absolute and total nonsense. Our desire and our highest priority is the safety of students, sure it is. teachers, They're going staff, on strike for more money because they the care community. about the kids. Dr. Jose Torres, interim CEO of Chicago Public Schools, talking to Chicago's top medical doctor, reassuring parents that schools will be safe for kids when classes start August 30th, despite continuing increases in the number of COVID cases. Dr. Allison Arwadi, using her weekly Facebook update, Dry heave. Here's the thing. You think COVID is what's scary? The kids that are on the news every minute of every day, carjacking, murder, and mayhem, they're going to go back to school. That's the excuse. Forget about COVID. It's the, it's, the, it's the scourge in the school that makes it dangerous. You better come up with it. If you're going to do this socialism, come up with a system that separates the scourge. Can you do that? Because the idea you're going to turn over good kids and you're worried about the, the COVID? Let me tell you something. COVID isn't what you worry about in Chicago. Murder, mayhem, and chaos that is stoked by the policies of the Marxist mafia. That's the real danger. Not the COVID, especially not to the kids. 312-642-5600. You'll get nothing and like it. He believes in freedom, capitalism, and individual liberty. And because of that, he's become an enemy of the state. He's Sean Thompson, and this is The Sean Thompson Show on AM560, The Answer. It's summertime, and you want to keep the shop, warehouse, and other doors open for ventilation. Air circulation improves the well-being of your employees and customers, as well as helping keep COVID at bay. But open doors can let in the uninvited, like strangers, birds, rodents, and bugs. Industrial Door Company of Chicago, Inc. can help solve the problem with a full line of commercial screen door products designed with these specific problems in mind, including power or manual operation and superimposed door-over-door installations. Think ahead and act soon. Call Industrial Door Company of Chicago, Inc. now for your commercial door screen products. Visit their website to see a range of products and services at industrialdoor.com. Call anytime, 847-258-5620. That's 847-258-5620. Their team will be there to assist in designing a solution that works best for you. Since 1982, the Industrial Door Company of Chicago, Inc. takes care of your doors so you can take care of business. Sales, service, and installation positions available now. See website for details. This view was worth a hike. Right? And it's a good way to stay on top of my health. Yes, I'm Cologuard, a prescription colon cancer screening option for people 45 plus at average risk. Have you screened for colon cancer? Not yet. Don't wait. It's more treatable when caught in early stages. Tell me more. Cologuard is non-invasive and it's used at home. It detects altered DNA in your stool to find 92% of colon cancers. 92%? Yep, even those in early stages. This was seen in a clinical study with patients 50 and older. Any positive results should be followed by a diagnostic colonoscopy. False positive and negative results may occur. Cologuard is not a replacement for colonoscopy in high-risk patients. Do not use if you have had adenomas, have inflammatory bowel disease and certain hereditary syndromes, or a personal or family history of colon cancer. Most insured patients pay $0. Ask your provider or an online prescriber if Cologuard is right for you. Or visit Cologuard.com. I'm in. All right. Friday Features with Sean. I teased it like we were going to still talk because I thought we had a lot of show left. We got a half 
of a show or a half hour left. And it's Fantastic Friday. So I am going to surprise you with my movie picks. I'm going to enrage you with my documentary pick. But it's all right. There's always a purpose for it. I want you to get ready to call me. I want one movie, one documentary. 312-642-5600. After Tom Beck in the news. Let's go to the movie. It's time for Friday Features with Sean. And now, on with the show. All right. Friday afternoon. I always watch movies. It's a lot better than watching the nonsense. It can only take so much of the news. Got to have a couple of good movies. I actually watched some interesting stuff. Now, this is where a bunch of people are going to freak out, but I'm sorry. It was an excellent documentary, even though this guy who did something that very few people can do and really built himself from absolutely nothing became a Barack Obama campaign contributor. It's, a, it's an amazing story. Inventing David Geffen, which I'll tell you what, you will have an appreciation for immigrants. You will have an appreciation for capitalism. You will have an appreciation for America. It's a shame that uh, David doesn't have the, the right appreciation. However, I will say, very, very well-meaning guy who made some bad investments. And it says in there, he abandoned the Clintons when they thought they could count on his vote. He went hardcore against Hillary. So I just found it a fascinating story. This this guy was raised by, his father died young, basically a single mother, who took in uh, tailoring jobs because she di- didn't feel good about going on aid. She wouldn't take welfare. And they had nothing. And he became one of the richest men and one of the most powerful men in Hollywood. It's really a fascinating documentary. And then I watched on Netflix, due to the patrons, who I call friends, at the Elmer Cigar House, a movie with that big Lomax from Game of Thrones, the guy who's, uh, uh, you know, he's the big guy who was married to the blonde girl in Game of Thrones. I can't remember his name. But it's called Sweet Girl. Dumb. Ridiculous. Couldn't stop watching it. Did you ever have that happen to you? It was ridiculous. I couldn't stop watching it. Yeah, I've had relationships like that. To focus on yes, issues surrounding the return to schools. I feel I unbelievably. Yeah, we don't want to hear it. A wardy. All right. No, you hit a button. Dave and Wheaton. Hey, Sean. Um, Judgment at Nuremberg, uh, a 1961 movie. Very familiar. Um, okay, so, you, so you've seen that one. Fantastic, uh, by the way. I haven't seen uh, it in 20 years. It's Spencer Tracy, fun. Montgomery Clift has uh, uh, William Shatner's in there as a young person, minor part. Um, Colonel Clink, whatever that actor's name is. is a I know guy. nothing. Yes, I know. No, I know. no that's the other guy. It's, it's, it's Schultz. It was Schultz. The, the documentary, um, someone, I, I, I saw this on PBS years ago. I'm not a big PBS fan, but uh, The Pleasure of Finding Things Out. I believe it was from the BBC on Richard Feynman. I don't know if you've ever heard of him, but he was a Nobel Prize winning physicist. Yeah. He was the youngest man to work in the Manhattan Project. He was a musician, an artist, um, good sense of humor. So there was a doctor. You know why I've heard of him? There was a doctor who lived in River Forest who worked with Enrico Fermi. 
And he okay. used to come by my, my grandfather's auto parts store. He befriended my uncle. They were very close friends at the time of his death. Mm. And I did hear that name, but from him. It's a fascinating story. Most people are unaware of it. How many local people, and people right around Chicago, who worked on the Manhattan Project? It's really interesting. So thanks again, Dave. Absolutely. Always a winner. You're, and you're welcome. By, by the way, the uh, name of the actor I couldn't remember is Jason Momoa. Did you ever see that big Lomax? I'll tell you what, can't take your eyes off of the movie. It was very good, very good. Ralph and Rantoul, how are you, you handsome devil? Hey, hey there, Sean. Hey, by the way, Colonel Clink, his name is uh, Werner Klemper, and he only took that role um, if if he was guaranteed that he would be able to make his Nazi character a total buffoon because he, he uh, got out of Germany and he absolutely detested the Nazis. So that was his payback for that. But hey, the movie that uh, that I think is worth seeing is a documentary called Restrepo. R e s t r e p o. Restrepo. It's right named it. after. Yeah, it's named after a, 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 a marine that got killed. But you know, Biden leaving fifteen thousand Americans in Afghanistan and pulling people out and basically saying, "Hey, uh, f you." Um, if you're there, you're on your own now. What an idiot. But these are the kinds of people. This movie shows the kind of Marines and soldiers way out in the middle of nowhere taking fire every day, living in holes because they're getting shot at all the time. Yeah. Those are the kind of people we're abandoning. It makes me sick. It makes me sick as well. And it reminds me of Hillary Clinton when she left the boys in Benghazi. You know, it's really already, the only benefit to this kind of stupidity. Yeah, if you're already mad about Afghanistan, yeah. um, maybe wait a few days before watching your strepo because you'll be destroying your furniture. Oh, this is good news. Thank you, Ralph. Always a good suggestion. Blake in Lombard. Hey, Sean. How are you? How are Got you? all three of them for you today, but before I jump in, I just wanted you to know that Sharon and I have perfect attendance on the Sean Thompson show. I love it. Thank love you very it. much. Thank you. You know what that's going to do? I'm going to put you on hold. I'm going to buy you a shirt. What do you think of that? Out of sight, man. All right, I'm going to buy you a shirt. Okay, let me get you the three, three items here for you. The movie, a film noir from 1940, The Man I Married, Joan Bennett, Francis Letterer, Lloyd Nolan. She's an art critic who travels to Germany with her German husband and their infant son. He becomes a Nazi, and she has to spend time escaping from Germany, and Lloyd Nolan, that son of a gun, helps her do it. The documentary... It's a mockumentary, Area 51 from oh, 2011. All right. Three, three cats bust into Area 51. They spend a whole movie trying to get out of this base. All right. You know, that's right up my alley. I love that I stuff. I know. It's yeah, and right. then the Very last good. one, a series blast from the past from the 80s, The Hitchhiker's Guide from 1981 from BBC. It's uh, the first two Douglas Adams books. Talks about how this cat gets swept away and has all kinds of galactic adventures in the in the galaxy. You know, I used to watch on BBC the uh, Doctor uh, Doctor No, yeah, or no Doctor was it was it Doctor Who Doctor Who. I, I mean, I'm going back years. I was in oh, yeah. I was it was in the 80s, and I was fascinated with it. And back then, the only way you could get it was if you had cable. Mm-hmm. So I didn't have cable, but my buddy Mike Terman had cable. He had on TV, and we used to run there and watch it, and then on TV, the dirty movies with the line in the middle. Oh, yeah. You know, I could still watch a movie like that. 
Thank you very much, Blake, for the call. I appreciate it. You got to be determined when you're a kid. You're so proud of yourself. Thank you very much. <laughs> Nick in Kenosha. Hey, Sean, how are you? Wonderful. How are you? Great. Great, great uh, cigar night last night. The lady actually let me watch it in the living room. Oh, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> I had a good time. I really did. And I'll tell you what, Prager is a great guy. He, I enjoyed I him so much. It was I fun. I have to say, I have to say that's why she she knew I was so excited about it yeah. because it was it was you and Dennis Prager and I was like I was like honey come on he kept me. trying to steal my lighter and do you know what happened he kept trying to steal I kept grabbing it I left the damn lighter there I have to go back and see Sam and his brother Ed but uh, yes it was thank you very much for doing it yes um, but anyways uh, my my uh, I, I, like I said I give you nerdy ones every every time I can call in all right it's called. Uh, the documentary is called Indie Game the Movie. Indie Game uh, the Movie. All right, I'm going to watch Indie this tonight. Indie Game the Movie. It's about, it's about uh, very small developers. And when I say small developers, it's either one or two men operations that have made, you know, millions making a game. I love it. And, you know, so, huh? yeah, it, it's pretty incredible. And then the, the second movie, if we're just going to go movies, The Wizard. The Wizard. <laughs> I love that. I love that movie. I'm not kidding. You. I love it. I love the music. Thank you very much, Nick. I appreciate it. Thank you. Yes, thank you. Um, all right, Megan, Bonnie, Kent, Teresa, Sid. All hang on. Three one two six four two fifty six hundred. I got two lines open. Let's all go to the live. Let's go to the movie. It's time. For I mean, I gotta Friday say, I love having the third hour. It feels as fast as the two. I still want to go with some more topics, more movies. All right, we don't have a lot of time. I do time. appreciate that about Sean, and I love him for it. Thank you. We don't have a lot of time, so I'm going to go very fast. Megan Orland Park. Hey, Sean, can you hear me okay? Perfectly. Okay, I'm in a mall. Um, anyhow, I love the cigar event last night. Just absolutely loved it. A lot of humor. Oh, thank you. A lot you. of good information. Thank you. And... Um, I also noticed, Sean, you kind of start out your movie segments by apologizing with what you're watching. It's like, hey, forgive me for watching something so silly, but you um, are talking about a lot of stressful issues, and you just need to go ahead and watch something that allows you to escape. I love it. So Thank you. movies are fine. Thank you. Um, but I got one that's totally an escapist movie for you, and it's phenomenal. We watched it last weekend. Have you heard of Nobody with Bob Od- Odenkirk? Love it. Saw it. Love it. Didn't, it great? didn't want to see it. Prof said, come on, let's put it. I said, I don't want to watch the damn thing. You know, because I have to pay the ticket. He wants to always buy the movies on Prime. He can't wait for the free ones, the spoiled brat. So I bought it, and it was great. But it was fantastic. Megan, thank you. I highly recommend it. I second it. Okay. Thank you. Have a good weekend. You too. You too. Bonnie, Logan Square. Hi, Sean. Hi. First movie is called The Courier. It's a Cold War espionage movie um, with Benedict Cumberbatch playing a, an English businessman who eventually gets convinced to be the courier to bring spy materials back from Russia. All right. uh, there's a Russian war curtain, um, hero who plays the other one, and they eventually they were able to avert the Cuban Missile Crisis with what they were sharing as far as information. God, they both I, got I, I arrested by the was Russians it a, was it a and book? went to jail. Was it a book? Yeah, uh, Probably, All right, probably. This, but go ahead. And what's the what's the documentary? Um, Codebreaker, based on a book called "The Woman Who Smashed Codes." An actual uh, woman in, in America, in Illinois, actually. She right. was initially interested in discovering whether there were secret messages in Shakespeare, 
and uh, because there was this theory that Francis Bacon wrote Shakespeare. Yes. But anyway, she eventually um, married a, another a fellow cryptologist and honed her skills way before computers. She was instrumental in bringing down a lot of the bootleggers during Prohibition and later was successful in breaking the codes of the Nazis who at that time were spread all over South America trying to sink all the cargo ships. Thank so you so much. who got involved with the Coast Guard and the Navy. Thank you, Bonnie. She should have waited. They just would have became politicians here in Chicago. Kent Aurora. Hey, Sean. Documentary. Uh, and this is a real documentary. It's not fake. Is uh, Beyond the Mat about uh, professional wrestlers. And their lives, uh, you know, on the other side of the mat. I saw the first uh, couple in, uh, in season one. I think they're on the season two, but I did see it. Yes. Yeah, and there's one with mankind seeing his son, very young, see him on TV for the first time, and how terrified. The see, kids I'm got. I'm old. My grandfather used to take me to the Chicago Stadium. We watched Dick the Bruiser and his cousin the Crusher. That's how old I am. Smoke cigars. You too. My old. grandfather used to walk, walk, smoke cigars, get in a fight in the parking lot. The good old days. All right, what do you got for a movie? And then the movie is one I love where Hollywood accidentally makes a righteous movie, and it was The Island. All right, very good. You and McGregor. Kent, don't yep. get mad. I just got to get movies. I gotta. We're going to run out of show. Teresa on the north side. Hi, Sean. Hi. This is an old movie, but a classic. One of my favorites. Style M for Murder. Love it. Good call. Very Honest good. Honest to God. It's the best. Better time. I even it like is. that. How about the clothes? That's, those are double stitch suits. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Sid, Portage Park. Yeah, Sean, can you hear me okay, buddy? I can hear you perfect. All right. The name of the documentary is The Water Is My Sky, and it's about the elite level swimmers in right. the United States. And on the heels of the Olympics, it's very timely. Sid, love you. Don't get mad at me. I got to go to Eduardo. We're going to clean the lines. Eduardo. Yeah, Mike Hammer on CBS from the 1980s, and check out Anthony Banderas in the theaters, too. Love it. Have a good weekend. Stay strong. Watch good movies. I'll be back Monday.